This is an ABC podcast. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack Podcast. This is the shake-up, the end of the week. Time to, you know, relax, let loose a little bit, discuss all the big topics that got you talking. And we are getting closer to the end of the year, so you're probably feeling it a bit now. End-of-year parties are kicking off hopefully feeling a bit more like summer. And there's heaps of stories out there that are dividing opinion. People are getting maybe a bit more opinionated about stuff. Maybe they're frustrated and tired. They're wanting to talk out. We've got a whole bunch of topics that we're diving into this week. Here's a bit of a taste. Hack. No one knows the full truth. We know the full truth. They need to be working super intensely. The installation of beds is part of that culture. You know, that was improvised. That wasn't in the script, but I thought... When else am I going to get the chance to this right here? I'm just going to go for it. On Triple J. Yeah, Renegade Royals, Twitter's office jail, a controversial kiss. We got it all. We got the best panel a hack host could also ask for. Couple of all-stars. First presenter, journalist, Elfie Scott. Hey, Elfie. Hi, Dave. How you going? I'm good. Are you on the downward slide to the end of the year? I've been on a downward slide for many years. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, this is just the general trajectory yeah, for exactly. me. Yeah, exactly. I'm nah. reaching an all-time low. Yeah. It's fine. No, nah, we're all there. And our favourite, the one, the only, Christian Wilkins, my lord. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that we're on Instagram because you have a face that deserves to be seen. Oh, here we go. Aww. Here we go. That's very kind. Speaking of um, social feeds, you're just feeling mine up. Every time I open my socials, I'm seeing you at some glamorous event, you're out and about. Is this the time that stuff starts to kick off, that you've just got events all over the place? Abs and pecs, absolutely, and it's so <laughs> much fun. And I like that we're finally experiencing summer again. Like, isn't that a fun plot twist? I know. It's something that, you know, we have absolutely missed, and it's starting to happen now. Hopefully, wherever you are, you've got some good weather heading your way. We are on the radio. We're on Instagram. Maybe you're listening to the podcast. We're everywhere. This is a multi-platform extravaganza today. We're time in to... your phone. We're in your phone. <laughs> <laughs> and it's time to get into it. Hack. So I was like, oh, is, is this what he does? I'm not going to say, what was that supposed to mean? On Triple Jack. Yeah, we knew it was coming. We heard it would be explosive. And now people can judge for themselves. Was it actually explosive? Prince Harry and Meghan's new doco has premiered this week. They're speaking out about a lot. Their life in the royal family, the rules, the embarrassments. I guess it's supposed to be really humanising, show us a real side of Harry and Meghan. The response, though, has been mixed. Hack. It's a dirty game. Pain and suffering of women. The first volume of the Netflix documentary Harry and Meghan dropped on Thursday night in Australia. I realised they're never going to protect you really hard to look back on it now and go, what on earth happened? He says his family suffers from unconscious bias and when Meghan was exposed to racist abuse online, his relatives couldn't see the need to protect her. In this family, sometimes, you know, you're part of the problem rather than part of the solution. And there is a huge level of unconscious bias. When the stakes are this high, doesn't it make more sense to hear our story from us? On Triple J... Yeah, keen to know what you think of this one. Have you seen the doco yet or are you busting to binge it on the weekend? Maybe you do not give a shit. You're sick of hearing about the royals. You think Harry and Meghan have a responsibility not to speak out like this? Let me know. You can call in 1300-555-36. Message in as well, 0439757555. Hey, we are going live on Instagram. You can check us out there if you want. On my Instagram account, at Marchese David. And I've got 
the brilliant crew with me, me, our brilliant panel, presenter, model, all-round brilliance, Christian Wilkins, and, of course, writer, journalist, brilliant, brilliant, brilliance, brilliant, Elfie Scott. Hey, I'm big with the compliments, aren't I? Yeah. As always. Thank it's, you so much. We have to pay extra for that. <laughs> Christian, as a member of the royal family yourself, you must have watch this doco or not yet? I haven't. I mean, you know, the son of literal King of England complains about life living in a palace. just doesn't <laughs> really do it for me. And they keep saying, but no one knows what happens behind closed doors. Except we do, because you've opened up that door 5,000 <laughs> times now. Well, that's kind of the thing, right? Everyone was like, this is explosive. The revelations will leave you speechless. And then when all the write-ups came out, I was like, oh, yeah, I knew that. I've yeah. heard about that before. Elfie, what about you? Have you seen it? I have. I literally watched it just to research for today. Yeah. And it is so painful and so boring. It's like watching... The first episode is all about <laughs> their not a good relationship. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> but the first episode is all about their relationship. And it's like hearing the most basic couple you've ever heard of just explaining how they fell in love. I don't care. I'm so sorry. Well, there were some interesting parts in the sense that that part, explaining how they met, for instance, this is something that's been a bit controversial. Like um, the official story has been that they met through a mutual friend, that there was some blind date, they were set up and that's how they met. But in this documentary they say, nah, that's not how it was. We actually met on Instagram, slid into the DMs, that's how it all happened. But her whole story's been the fact that she never knew who he was and she was like, oh, I think he saw her is what he's saying. But they're, they're also saying that the whole story about the blind date very rehearsed and orchestrated, they were made to do that. I mean, that's kind of interesting in the sense that you think if the royal family is going to such extremes to fabricate a story, when it's pretty benign, like, oh, they met on Instagram, whatever, what else is fabricated? Like, Elfie, what do you think of that? I don't know. Like, if he did slide into her DMs, I would pay very good money to know what the initial opener (laughs) was, you know? You up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Prince of England does that. It's a bit different. Um, Someone on the text line says, the split from the Royals, the Oprah interview, and now Netflix. Every few months they need to do something to stay relevant. We don't care. And a book coming out. And a book coming out. Yeah, it's all happening. Someone else, who cares about the Royals? They're just like the Kardashians, famous for being famous. I'm sick of them. I don't know. Whenever I hear... Like, people say, why are we talking about the Royals? Why are we giving this any attention? The other thing I think is, well, this is really bad PR generally for the royal family, the institution, and I'm sure they want people not to be talking about it. Is it right, Christian, that we should be scrutinising this institution and be a bit curious about how it functions if there are changes that need to be made because, you know, it's there and we use it? Of course, but I think that they're two separate issues and it's almost like like cannibalizing the issue when we continuously talk about Harry and Meghan in this story. And I think that obviously there are issues that people have with the monarchy and that's completely valid. But I think just hearing about it from these two people from the perspective of they weren't allowed to experience their love is like not the issue at hand that really should be discussed. We've got some messages coming through. Someone says, it's so disappointing that they're actively trying to trash their family's legacy so soon after the Queen's death. Another person, Harry and Meghan astound me. They wanted to be out of the public eye and wanted privacy, yet they documented their supposed Mm. exit before they even sign the Netflix deal. But you would assume that, like, Netflix gives access into your home to far many more people than any tabloid ever could ever. 
Yeah, that's right? true. That's true. Elfie, I don't know. I mean, there were some cute moments in there. Were, were there any parts where you were like... Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're like... You, You're so you. cute. I don't know. It was all filmed like an ad too. Like it had that sort of filmic quality of like high-end advertising. If, I would just recommend watching it and making up your own mind. But like, yeah, it, it's a painful watch. So did you watch all of the episodes that have been released? Or did you come I know, on? I fell asleep halfway through oh. one, I think. Look, Dave, I woke up from a nap about 45 minutes ago, so <laughs> I don't know how much I watched. But you know what? I got through the first episode and then it started to get into the drama. And I do, look, I totally acknowledge that there are some legitimate things to talk about here. Like the behaviour of the press, especially towards Megan, was ab- abhorrent. Like there are very valid things to reflect on. But whether or not I want to watch an hour documentary about how they fell in love through Instagram, I don't know. Got some comments coming through on Instagram Live. Someone's tuning in, guys. Oh, mum. Yeah, it probably is, actually. (laughs) Hey, hey, fam. Um, Someone says, I won't be watching. Okay, it was short, but, you know, concise comment there. We need that. Someone else says, we've got to get rid of the aristocracy hundreds of years ago. We're so past this. And someone else says, yeah, it's just them trying to stay relevant. That's a lot of the comments we're getting saying very similar things. Christian. I just think that it's such a shame as well that they have such a platform and they could be speaking about so many different things, highlighting so many different issues, and yet they continuously just bang on about their relationship and the fact that they don't like their parents. Yes, totally, because Megan built her brand off being an ambassador, being somebody who fights for feminist causes. They get this massive opportunity to create documentaries for Netflix. What do they do? They create something about their own relationship and a story that we've all heard so many times. Do you think the public's going to get over this fascination with those two in particular, these young royals, as they live their lives in the US, become less relevant to the royal family in many ways, are less involved with the big, you know, events that happen and people start to lose a bit of focus. Do you think it'll die away, Christian? I mean, I'm somewhat inclined to say yes, but then also look at people like the Kardashians, where it's if people didn't also hate on them, they wouldn't be as relevant as they are. Like it, it's publicity is publicity, you know, and as long as they continue to do it, they'll probably continue to get attention. Yeah, true. What about the royal family in general? Like it's been a big year, as we know. A lot has happened. Elfie, are you surprised that we're talking as much or not as much about things like the future of the monarchy here in Australia? You know, there was a lot of conversation shortly after the Queen's death. That has died away quite significantly now. Yeah, that is interesting, actually. I I don't necessarily feel any particular like, connection to it or think that it should be more or less relevant. But I do think that it is interesting that the question about whether or not we should be a republic has died out pretty heavily in the past couple of months, whereas there was this big thing around when the Queen passed away and now we're not talking about it anymore. That's mm. confusing. Yeah, does it surprise you, Christian? Oh, not really, because I think that people kind of like to be distracted by bright, shiny things. But to be completely honest, I feel like we should be talking about the other Netflix show based on the royal family and how Harry's parents apparently treated each other, because that seems to be much more controversial to me. Did you watch that one? I may have watched that (laughs) docuseries, The Crown. (laughs) Um, But, you know, seeing stuff, and I appreciate that, of course, it's a drama, but seeing how it was portrayed, at least, how Charles was treating Diana, I mean, that 
to me stood out as something that really needs to be talked about. Hey, well, look, there's a lot more comments coming through. Someone says people keep saying they need privacy but forget they need money and they have to do something for money. When... But they don't. Mm, okay. I think they're okay. I saw their house in the documentary. They're doing fine. <laughs> it's looking okay. Um, look, there's so many, so many comments coming through. Another person, I just don't care about them or the royals. Enough. Okay, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to you right now. Hack. They need to be working super intensely. The insulation of beds is part of that culture. On Triple J. Do you ever get to the end of the day, maybe a Friday afternoon, and you think, wouldn't mind just pulling up here for the night? Pull out your sleeping bag, camp out on the work couch... Because apparently Elon Musk has been turning parts of the Twitter offices in the US into bedrooms. What is all of this about? Hack. It's been just over a month since Elon Musk took over Twitter and a lot has changed already. Photos of the new sleeping rooms at Twitter headquarters show unremarkable accommodations. And they've been working day and night to meet Musk's deadlines. Some have even been sleeping at the office. When you're working on a big project and you want to get things going, pulling the all-nighter is not uncommon. Sleeping in the office used to be frowned upon, but now it's trendy. He's started to say that, uh, you know, they need to be working super intensely. So I think the installation of beds is part of that culture. On Triple J. Yeah, he said he wanted workers to be extremely hardcore, working constantly to turn Twitter around Elon Musk. If staff want to stay, should they be allowed to stay? Do you have a job where you have to sleep at work? Do you like it? Maybe you're finding that your boss is trying to get you to stay longer at work. I don't know. Let me know. We're live on Instagram. If you've ever wondered what we all look like hanging out in the studio, you can go find out at Marchese David. Also, the traditional ways. Call in 1300 555536. You can message in as well, 0439 757 Let's ask the Shake Up crew journalist, presenter, host of the Left Right Out podcast, Elfie Scott, influencer, presenter, Christian Wilkins. Elfie, what's Elon doing here? Um, creating an extremely toxic work environment that nobody should adhere to and everybody should leave from. Okay, well, that was that's pretty much summed it up, Christian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what she said. But I, <laughs> it, it is funny, like, listening there, to that being like, you used to think that idea of someone sleeping at work and it meant that they were lazy and they weren't dedicated. Now it is this perception of the complete opposite but it is awful and so many of the articles seem to be talking about the fact that the zoning for the buildings isn't set up for bedrooms but i'm like we need to be more careful about like the employee's mental well-being maybe i don't know i don't particularly care about zoning laws i care about whether he's exploiting workers that that was in the lead line it was like and the san francisco authorities are probing it as a possible (laughs) building code violation oh no (laughs) we're worried about workers too i don't know apparently elon's been staying at twitter since he bought it um, Christian, surely working smarter and healthier means time out of the office, right? Like, I just don't comprehend this idea of you got to be there on the grind all the time. Because when I do that, and sometimes you have to, like, in whatever industry you're in, in journalism, definitely. And the longer I'm at work, the less productive I am. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but my favourite thing about entering the work place is leaving the workplace (laughs) but it is what creates like a healthy relationship is that you appreciate your time there and the things that you can do and what you can dedicate yourself to because you also do get to go home and I think this 
insinuation that a good employee is there 24-7 is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, that's not sustainable at all. We've got some messages coming through. Mitch on Instagram says, yeah, always wanted to know what you guys look like. There you go, Mitch. <laughs> Somebody else says, I'd probably save a lot of time and money sleeping at work. I'm so sick of long commutes and exploding fuel prices. Another person says, so much spare space after everyone was sacked. May as well make bedrooms. That's fair enough. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about the big uh, sacking that happened at Twitter shortly after Elon took over. If you do have thoughts on this, please call in 1300 555536. You can message in as well, 0439757555. One of the funniest things about this, I saw a description in a newspaper saying um, the bedrooms that Elon's made at Twitter describing the design and it was unmade mattresses, drab curtains and giant conference room telepresence monitors. And I thought, hey, if you're going to make a bedroom at work, surely, Christian, you're going to want to make it a bit appealing, right? Oh, absolutely. We're going to have Kylie Minogue posters up on the wall. Everything's going to be pink. There's going to be like a candy machine. (laughs) Then you'd be like, yeah, stay. Why not? Chuck on a Kylie Minogue concert. I'm out of here. What do you reckon, Elfie, about, like, have you ever worked in an environment where they have other perks? Like, some of my friends are saying, oh, like, they've just got a barista at work and they make free coffees all day. Or, oh, my work's now offering yoga classes for everyone if they want to do it. Are you sceptical of that stuff? Are you like, hmm, there's something sinister there? Or do you think this is a great way of getting people more engaged in the workplace. Dave, I've worked in like youth media startups for my entire <laughs> life. What do you think the answer is? They give you the little bags of shapes, they give you the little container of like tiny teddies and you stay there and you don't like really reflect on how much you're being exploited. And okay. At the end of the day, I feel like there are so many workplaces like that who'll say, you know, we're a family. You know, you just want to work for your family and make this a real family environment. And then you're like, oh, wait, shit, I'm getting paid under the minimum wage. (laughs) Do you work a lot from home, Elfie? I'm self-employed. Yeah. So I'm exploiting myself at the moment. So you're kind of, you're kind of living this life. You're sleeping at work. That's why I'm so emotionally unwell, Dave. (laughs) Do you reckon as well with COVID and the lockdowns and stuff, the boundaries kind of shifted a bit? I mean, I know this is very dramatic, putting bedrooms into offices and stuff. But there would have been a time where obviously working from home wasn't considered too normal. And, um, you know, there was the workspace and the work environment and the home environment. But now people are like, oh, maybe we can mix it a bit. There's a bit of both. Christian? Yeah. And I mean, I think it's definitely given people options to be like, yo, if I actually do all my work by three, I can probably clock off. Which is, again, like a healthy mentality, I think, at least. Yeah, fair enough. We've got someone on the line. Dylan's with us. Hey, Dylan, you're talking about jobs where people have to live on site. Have you got one of those? Um, Yeah, I don't have one myself, but I know quite a few people that do. But you look at a bunch of jobs out west, um, harvest time, um, out in the paddocks, and and farms will need people to come in, um, move, live on site um, for a season. They'll, yeah, work massive amounts of hours yeah it is something and especially it's part of a community it's it's all part of the job hey and and the more remote um the more common it is to see stuff like that would you ever do it dylan um i've considered it um but i think yeah in a city it's a yeah questionable thing but out west 
it seems normal. That's pretty tricky. Christian? Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're living on a farm or, you know, living on land and you're contributing to that and there's still time to, like, clock off, sure, you on the land, yeah. yes, but you're not in your office in your single bed. Yeah, this is in the middle of San Francisco, guys. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. But interesting um, point there, Dylan. And, yeah, a lot of young people uh, in those jobs where they have to travel for ages. And, yeah, sometimes it's really fun. There's big communities that are built out in those circumstances. There's another thing that I saw this week that kind of ties into this. The Greens came out and said, we want to legislate the right to ignore bosses' calls and emails after work. And some countries already do this. Like, I know France did it a few years ago, was kind of one of the first countries, but now a whole heap have jumped on board and they say, it's against the law for bosses to contact you after hours Elfie, <laughs> what do you reckon? I mean, as somebody who is constantly contacting herself after hours, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'd love to see that law. Yeah. I mean, Christian, have you got any thoughts on this? I mean, I feel like maybe it's okay to send out a message, but I think that depending, like, sorry, I think trying to get an immediate answer from one of your employees is a completely different thing. I think that they need to have the right to ignore it. Yeah, we've got some more messages coming through on Instagram. Someone says, life's too short for a toxic workplace. Another person says, where a family equals major red flag. Um, someone else, what's the difference between working from home and living at work? Ooh, that just blew up my mind right then. It's true. So many people live at work and someone else beds in the office. Welcome to his truckie's life. That's so true. <laughs> That's the definition of it when you just pull over and you have to go to sleep. Do you think there's a lot of stigma around disconnecting? Like in this society, if someone says that they do want to disconnect, that they don't want to be getting the calls from the boss or whatever, that they're less paranoid about work, that people perceive them as lazy or not committed, is that something you think, Christian? No, I don't. No. I think that we really need to focus on mental health after the few years that we've had. And I think that we've been so expected to be on because we have been working from home and we've been locked inside. So the expectation is, oh, you can do this whenever you need to do it. Whilst now that we're sort of open and free, I think that we need to allow time for people to have space to do what they need to do. And if that's disconnecting, then great. What about you, Elfie? Do you think we need to kind of change the the stigmas and stuff around work culture in Australia? Oh, totally. I mean, we live in a late capitalist nightmare where our bodies are purely there for labour. So I feel as though there definitely has to be a breaking through of this idea that to be not productive is to be not fulfilled or not successful. We've got another caller on the line. Jared is with us. Hey, Jared, what's been your experience? Hey, mate. Uh, so what I used to do was I used to do a lot of, um, like, overnight work. Uh, and so what would happen is because my sleeping schedule would be all out of whack, um, cause I wouldn't work, you know, I'd work three nights a week or so and my sleeping schedule couldn't adjust to it. I would actually need to have a nap in the car before I could even drive home. Oh, that's so, a bit rough. Like, that's yeah, yeah that's, so, that's definitely so like, rough. Thinking about it in a different way, if they're working, if they're, uh, at, you know, at, um, Twitter, they're working, you know, even the uh, eight hours or something, but overnight and they just need a nap before they can even go home. True, Jared. And that's definitely something worth considering. Thanks for calling. And I wonder as well, like some people would love to have sleeping pods and stuff at work, right? Like not to sleep overnight, but if the option's there to have a bit of a rest, 
Why not? We've got more messages coming through on Instagram. Bryce Mills, now being trolled by the fellow Triple J presenters, says, I'd die for my workmates. Bryce, I'll take you up on that offer. Another person, Tom from Wangaratta, says, um, I'm a truck driver as well, so most of the time blokes like myself sleep in our cabs to try and meet times and be... Uh, on with our kids and stuff like that. Another person says, as a builder, I know it's illegal to be using those spaces as sleeping in office spaces. And another person says, I've worked many 16 to 18 hour kitchen shifts. At least going home briefly uh, gives you a nap in between work and life. Look, so much more we could talk about. I reckon it's time to move on. Pack. What will become iconic kiss scene between you and, and Brad Pitt when you say, you are so f***able. Oh, yeah, Margot Robbie, easily one of Australia's most recognised, loved actors, talented, beautiful, popular, found herself in a bit of controversy, though, at the moment after an interview, which you just heard a bit of, where she admitted to improvising a kissing scene with her co-star Brad Pitt. Now, she said it wasn't scripted, she just went in for it because there was Brad Pitt. But a lot of people aren't happy and they're saying this is so inappropriate for anyone to kiss anyone unscripted. It's double standards if we don't call this out. What do you think? Should Margot Robbie be called out for this? Were you surprised by it? We're on Instagram Live. You can check us out there. We're also on the text line 0439757555. The Shake Up with Christian Wilkins and Elfie Scott. Hey, Christian, did you see this one? What did you think? I did and I... Excuse me if I'm wrong, but in the larger context, she was saying that she kind of wanted to go for it. So she talked to the director, said, I think that this is what my character would do. He greenlit it and then it went from there. So sure, it was her idea, but it's not as though she just pashed him on set. Mm. Elfie? Yeah, I got that impression as well. But I would also say, you know, if the director did do that and they didn't clear it with Brad Pitt first, then maybe that's the line because directors should be there trying to enforce, you know, consent on on set and making sure that everybody's as comfortable as possible. But is there their insinuation that he didn't? I thought I just took away from it that she's definitely cleared it with him. I don't know whether or not he said anything to Brad. Yeah, I guess then it sort of lies with the director, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and this is the thing, right? And like there are all these different people are talking about acting methods and all the rest of it. But, you know, it's a, it's a big thing uh, on sets. There's like intimacy coordinators and stuff like that. Um, so some people were surprised that this would even be a conversation that we're having. Um, Elfie, I don't know, like, what do you think? Do you think it, the, these issues are things that we still need to be discussing that maybe there are a lot of people out there that don't know rules and boundaries, even if we expect that they might. Yeah, totally. Actually, there's something that I heard on a podcast a while ago about method acting where people were like, this person was saying, you know, uh, everybody who actually just takes on method acting seems to be just using it as an excuse to be a dick, essentially. (laughs) And I think on sets, obviously, traditionally, there's been this sort of slightly blurred line where people are supposed to have creative license to explore characters and things like that. But yeah, as I said earlier, I really just think there needs to be an atmosphere where people need to ask for consent and there needs to be lines drawn in the sand, basically. I mean, people are saying, well, what does Brad Pitt think about it, which is true, Um, but if, you know, if Brad Pitt after the fact had said, yeah, that was fine, I didn't mind, does that make it okay, Christian? I do, because I think you need to take into context the situation that was there, which obviously very few of us were there for, and the fact that they are also friends, you know, and they're working in this environment where there is that fluidity in what they're doing. They're actors. She's talked to the director about it. Let's 
I know we don't know whether or not he cleared it with Brad, but I mean, there is a lot more context to just her pashing him. Do you think actors as well think differently about these kinds of situations? I don't know, but like, is it um, a thing where it's just part of the job for them and they're like, you know, they're having these conversations with directors all the time and maybe we read it and go, oh, what the hell, what's this? What would Margot Robbie's husband think of this? But, you know... He's kind of like, oh, this is just part of the job. What do you reckon, Elfie? Yeah, I also think that, like, it's entirely possible that in the moment Margot Robbie just said something slightly blasé about it and didn't really... I don't know, mean it or include all of the details. I think that's the surprising thing is because it's Margot Robbie and everyone loves Margot Robbie. And so everyone is thinking, surely if anyone's going to be across everything and really leading by example, it's her. Do you think that there would be a massive blow up though if the roles were reversed, Christian? Yeah. Like just regardless of like talks with directors and all the rest of it, that it would be not on and people would be calling this out. Look, yeah, I do. And I think that that has to, a lot to do with, like, historically the power imbalance has been completely in men's favour. And I think that that's also something that needs to be taken into account. You know, it's it, me, men have abused women on sets for a long time. There is a long history of that. Look at Harvey Weinstein. It's a completely different context when I think someone that's friends, that's woman, does it. Fair enough. We've got some messages coming through. Someone says, what if the genders are reversed? Uh, A few people saying that. I bet the guy would be rolled in the media regardless of the situation. Look, guys, we could talk a lot about all of this all day long, but unfortunately we're out of time. And you know what? We've given it a go today because we were on Instagram Live testing out this new technology Um, and it was a bit hectic. I'll get the review soon to see if it all worked. But what did you reckon... Christian Wilkins, was it was it a shake-up that you'll remember forever? Definitely. My mum's already texted me saying, I'm watching, loving it. Get out. Yep. Amazing. Shout out, Shelley. Oh, hey, oh, Shelley. Hello. Hi. So nice to see you. Elfie, what do you reckon? Was this fun one? Yeah, it was. I don't think my mum will be watching, unfortunately. <laughs> but hi to everybody else's relatives and friends. Elfie's like, yeah, my mum actually hates Dave. She won't be following <laughs> on his Instagram. Look, thank you so much for our shake-up crew, Christian Wilkins, Elfie Scott. Really appreciate Appreciate you guys coming in. Hack on Triple J. And a big thanks again to our Shake Up crew, Christian Wilkins, Elfie Scott, and the hardworking Hack crew, executive producer Claire Bloomer, senior producer Serge Negus, extra production by AJ Williams, and Shalila Medora, Ellie Grounds, April McLennan, Angel Parsons, Kimberly Price, and a huge shout out to our one, our only, Ange McCormack. Leaving the Hack team today, staying with Triple J though, and you will still be hearing her on Triple J on Hack. But a bit of a promotion and we're sad to see her leave our our little crew, leave the desk at the hack office. But um, we're, we're looking forward to more big things from Ange. That's all we've got time for on this week. I'll catch you next time.